Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hi everyone, how you doing? Welcome to episode 178 Girl Next Door podcast. Thank you so much guys for joining me today. I thought we would take a little bit of a different take on um, our usual Wednesday conversations and um, do something a little bit more personal today, which I did by the way last week as well. I talked about uh, all of the things that I find a bit difficult or have found difficult over the years about being a mum. And turns out you guys loved that, loved me kind of just talking from my heart, um, got quite a few messages um, from that, which is awesome. So I thought today, I've been promising you guys for a while that I would talk about this new book that Cameron and I have just released um, called Hearts on the High School Floor. And so I thought today, maybe I'd give you a little bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes, uh, not just of the book, but of the the, the writing process. Um, I know there are a lot of people, a lot of you listening that maybe, maybe you're interested in writing your own book. I know for me, I've always wanted to write. And so I'm always was very fascinated with the whole process. So I thought I would just, um, dig into that today. Um, and feel free to come by social media. <clears throat> As I always say, go next door.podcast, come and ask questions or come into my inbox there and chat with me. Um, if you've got any more questions about it. So, um, we launched the book on the Thursday before Easter. So, I can't even tell you what date that was, maybe April 22nd, I think. So just like maybe two weeks ago now. And um, I wanted to just share the the pathway and the story behind it. So the launch went really, really well. Um, we kind of did a, I'm not really big on book launches. Some people go all out and do massive book launches and like invite a whole heap of people and have a big celebration. I'm probably a little bit more on the side of, I don't like doing that kind of thing. I don't, I'm kind of even doing this podcast. I'm a bit like, Oh, kind of uncomfortable. I'm put it this way. I'm good with the writing, really bad with the marketing. I just don't like putting my stuff out there. Um, but then the only thing that pushes me through to doing that is to, uh, say to myself, well, this could really help someone. And then that kind of gives me the courage to go, Hey guys, I've written a new book, but I still kind of feel a bit too shy to want to actually celebrate by doing a book launch, if that makes sense. Not that there is anything wrong with doing a book launch, by the way. So in the end, we did a bit of a mini one, I guess, um, where one of the other academy directors, because, you know, work at Youth Alive Academy, we did a bit of a fun interview and launched it at Academy since it was a Thursday. So that was fun. So anyway, let me delve into a bit of my pathway and story, uh, and then I'll get into the book. And then if any of you guys do want to grab a copy, copy, I will let you know where you can do that. All right, so let's kind of begin back at the beginning. I think I've said this to you guys on an episode or two before that I've always been interested in writing. I think it's because I've always been very interested in reading. I love books. So even when I was first learning to read, I remember, and I read very early, 
oh no, it must have been four or five. Anyway, I read very early on and it just opened up this whole new world to me. And I basically was literally in love with words and books from the moment that I could understand them. So back when I started school, I did half a year of prep and half a year of year one. And then I went into year two. I have no idea why that happened that way, but that's kind of my pathway, which means that that meant that when I finished high school, I was still only 16. And when I graduated uni, I was 19 and I just turned 20 and started my first teaching job. But anyway, I don't know why, but even back at that end when I was five, I was a really good reader right from the beginning. And so I moved away from prep readers really quickly. Now, I understand this whole world because prep prep teaching is my jam. Um, you know, often it will take kids a whole year um, at least to kind of really get their head around being able to, to read, a, um, you know, even the preppy kind of readers. But I remember because I was such a good reader so young, um, and I think I was, I must have been the only one in the class that was reading at that level. I remember that I was allowed to go to the actual teacher's book storeroom and choose any books I wanted. I, guys, I can literally picture myself to this day as a five-year-old being allowed to go down the hallway by myself into the storeroom. And it was this, um, look, the ceiling felt like it went forever. It was probably a normal ceiling, but to me, you know, when I was little and five, it was huge. And every single wall was surrounded from floor to ceiling with books. All obviously they were the junior primary books that all the teachers would borrow, but I was allowed to go in and pick anything. And I just remember, I think I just about got lost in that room, just sat there for what felt like hours picking the book that I would be allowed to take home. And to me, that felt like being let into Candyland. I couldn't get enough. My favorite books as I got a little bit older, definitely hands down, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I read that book over and over and over and over. And then my other favorite books, oh, I loved I loved the Enid Blyton Magic Faraway Tree books. I would devour them. And then the Little Women series. So Little Women, Good Wives, Joe's Boys, Little Men. That whole series by Louisa May Alcott on my days. Like I've still got my original series here on my bookshelf. There they are. I've just spotted them. Gee, they felt like they were massive books to me at the time. Now they look so little. Um, and I wanted to be Joe in Little Women because she was a writer. So as far back as I can remember, um, I used to love reading and wanted to, to actually be a writer. So I loved nonfiction books too, like Corrie ten Boom, who was the, the, her and her sister were put into concentration camps during World War II. And she was a Christian and her sister died, but she survived to tell the story and to write a book about it. Very inspired by books like that. Um, books by, I loved the story of Joni Erickson, who was this young adult who went, um, she went into the sea one day, went diving into the sea with her friends and she hit her head, hit the bottom of the ocean. It was shallower than she thought. And she became a paraplegic and, and she was a Christian. So her whole story, and I have no idea why, but I just was fascinated with these depressing stories of people's lives. But for me, I realized very young that words moved me and books changed me. As far back as I can remember, I wanted myself to be a writer. So my happy place has always been books and coffee. And if you can combine the two, then I'm literally in heaven. 
So I wrote my first novel when I was about eight or nine about the Jenkins family. I still remember it. I sent it to my friend, to to uh, or my mum's friend to edit, and then I and then I sent it. I think I sent it to publishers as well, and I think I've told you guys that before. But I would send any of my writing into competitions, and I remember. I won, I sent a bit of writing into a a competition that was being put on by Toblerone, the chocolate, and I won a Toblerone watch. And I remember how excited I was. Um, But to be honest, when I was older, as I got older, so I studied teaching, as you know, but I was waiting for some great prophetic word that I was called to be a writer. You know, I'd get words, prophetic words about other things in my life, but I'm like, "Mm." and I was just waiting and waiting and I never got it. And there's something I've realized since, and that is that if something brings you that much joy, you don't need to wait for permission from someone else. And I remember having that epiphany a few years later and thinking, I don't have to wait for someone to tell me, hey, thus saith the Lord, you're called to be a writer. It just brings me joy, so I'm going to do it. So I hope that helps someone listening today. So when I then, um, I was... I had my kids and I was trying to update my teaching qualifications. And one of the things that they, one of the requirements to update my qualifications was I actually had to go back and study for a year, but I was allowed to choose any field of study. So I used that as my opportunity to, um, to delve into my love of writing. And so I picked a one-year post-grad diploma in creative arts, majoring in writing. And I started that in Adelaide um, on campus. And then when we moved here to Queensland, halfway through me doing that, I then went online and I loved it. I loved. The good thing was they forced me to study other areas of writing that I probably wouldn't have uh, if, if I'd chosen to. So one of those was poetry. I had to do a unit on poetry because their view was not their view, but they they said that if you know how to write poetry, then you can write a good book because poetry helps you to get rid of all the excess extra words that you don't need. It helps you to nut down and say what you want to say in fewer words. And so I remember doing an assignment, which I chose to do kind of Dr. Seuss style, this, this assessment. And I remember the lecturer was really taken with my writing then and said that, oh, maybe I've discovered the next Dr. Seuss, which um, hello, little bit of a compliment. I was like, oh my gosh. So it turned out I was good at that kind of um, kids writing. And then, so like I said, we moved to Queensland. I continued my writing. Um, And then I decided when I was having some downtime here, uh, you know, I didn't really know anybody. My life had gotten very quiet when we moved here. Cameron traveled a lot. I was home with the kids. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to write about what I know. That was one of the things I learned at, at uni when I did that was write, write what you know. And so that's how my first book came to be, which I called Broken Wing Butterfly, which was just a self-help book for girls who are from broken homes. Um, and how did I know how the heck to publish that? Well, I'd made friends with a lady from our church who similar kind of um, life circumstance to me, young children, and she had several books that she'd self-published. And so she was became a friend of mine, so kindly sat down with me and helped walk me through the process because I'd never done it before. I had no idea what I was doing, even right down to things like how do you get the ISBN barcode on the back of a book? And so she walked me through how to do that. And 
Um, now I know that uh, when you publish something yourself from beginning to end, that's called being an indie an indie self-publisher. They call it indie, I guess short for independent. And I've done both routes. I've got a picture book where I went through a publisher, but then I've done a couple of my own self-help books now where I uh, in, did the whole indie publishing thing. And I prefer that. I prefer to have the full control of the whole process. So I printed a few thousand of those, sold most of those, by the way, FYI, you only need to sell about 5,000 books in Australia to be considered a bestseller, which, hello, that's not too hard. Um, and so I also started getting some preaching invitations. And so um, I sold a lot of books that way. And I also got it into Kurong at the time. So that's kind of my journey into, into publishing. Um, but then life got really busy. I started teaching here in Queensland. We obviously were running uh, not just Youth Alive for Queensland, but for National as well. And then we planted our church. And so I didn't really have much time for writing until about three years ago. I just thought, oh, no, actually, I know I forgot a bit of a puzzle here, a piece of the puzzle. Probably about five years ago, I was like, there are no devotionals for young people. And since devotionals were our jam, I thought, you know what, I could write some devotionals because I was forever going to Kurong trying to find something for my own teenagers. And I just thought, oh, most of the stuff that was out there was a little bit kind of, I don't know, it wasn't very attractive to teenagers. It was a bit, I don't know, I can't think of the word, but I just thought, if what do I want my own teenagers to read? And there was nothing like that out there. And so I decided, well, let's read them instead, uh, write them instead. So uh, so I wrote two devotionals. They're 45-day devotionals, just short and easy with a little um, section for their own journaling. And the first one, it kind of centered around, I guess, the Youth Alive conferences that we were running. One was called um, We the People and the other one Break the Rules. Um, so I want to write a third one in that series, actually. But anyway, after that, I was like, you know what? There has not been a good youth leadership book written for Australians by an Australian for decades. Uh, I think uh, there'd been a few written a while back, but nothing recent. And so I just again started writing from what I knew. And one thing I did know was I didn't want to write another 101 how-to complex leadership book. I just felt like there's so much of that out there. If you want the how-tos of leadership, there's so many different, you know, you can go to so many podcasts, there are so many books that you can that you can download. But what you can't what I felt was more valuable and more kind of needed was hey, this is what God has done through us and with us, and this is what it looked like and how we did it. And here, let me share that with you to inspire you. So it wasn't a, a how-to of, hey, this is how to build a youth ministry 101, because I just thought there was enough of that. And so one thing that I was sure of was we have always built according to the blueprint that God had given us. That's kind of something that Cameron and I look back on, that we've never done things the way that other people have done them. And that's kind of what makes it special. And so something that we've never really liked is that people would copy the success of another ministry to try and generate their own success. And so we didn't want that either. 
And Cameron and I have always been true to ourselves and true to what God has asked of us. And we've never gotten caught up in doing things to build our our own name or to build our own platform. And meanwhile, while I was thinking about all this, so all this is brewing through my head of what kind of a leadership book would I write if I were to write one? And at the same time, I could really sense that my writing voice was developing. So I was becoming more sure of who I am as a writer. And um, I realized that I have always been drawn to words that move my heart. And so I really wanted our book to be like that, to be full of words that move the reader's heart. So what I started to do was when ideas would pop into my mind or something would happen or something would inspire me around leadership, I would get into what I call a writing frenzy and I would grab, um, I started doing it on paper, but then I didn't want to wait to get home. And so I actually ended up going to the notes in my phone and I just would start writing it down and jotting down what was on my heart until I felt it was done. And so that's what I did. Um, and so that's how Hearts on the High School Floor, I've got my copy right here. Um, that's how Hearts on the High School Floor came to be. So who is this book meant for? Well, I guess first and foremost, it's for youth pastors and for youth leaders, but it's also for anyone who works with young people, even if you're in uh, a secular workplace, but you work with young people. It's anyone that wants to help change a generation. You would find this book helpful for you. Um, I wanted a leadership book where people could put it down and not say, oh, we better do ABC and then we'll be able to grow our youth ministry or grow our company. But instead, I wanted it more to be, oh, here are the values and the principles that Cameron and Renee have built with over the last 20 years. And then for you to be able to take that and for that to inspire you in a way for you to be able to build in a way that's true to you by God's blueprint for your unique set of circumstances. So what it is, is 52 principles or essentials that we have built by for the past 20 years. And so um, they're, they're really kind of bite-sized and I've called them essentials, but I probably should have called them principles. And the book starts and ends in the same place, which is where kind of the title of the book came from. Um, it's a youth group in a high school auditorium is where the book begins and where the book ends. So it begins with the story 20 plus years ago when the youth, when youth ministry in Australia was revolutionized by Russell Evans. And you've heard me talk a lot about Russell, who's now Planet Shakers. And I was there. I wasn't even a youth leader at the time. Russell made me be a youth leader. He, I was in the young adults and he came to me and he said, hey, you're still in high school. You're 16. So you're going to come and help me run this thing. And he didn't even give me an option. And I was like, dang, I really want to stay in young adults. But he was like, you come with me. And I never left. 
and it changed my life. And so that's where the book starts, where youth ministry used to be about entertainment and games and then a bit of supper afterwards. And it became about um, what Russell did was really revolutionary at the time. He just gathered the kids in a high school auditorium with just a guitar and they would sing and they would worship and he would share and he would pray over them. And one by one, he'd put them in the middle and encourage them. And in those first few weeks when he did that, parents, when they came to pick up their young person, when they came to pick up their their teenager, they would drive into the driveway and their lights would shine through the windows, but they couldn't see anyone because inside on that high school floor, miracles were taking place. Young people were weeping on their knees before God and God was healing and putting them back together and putting vision and dreams on the inside of them. And so that's where the name of the book came from, that hearts were coming undone on that high school floor. And I was there in those early days, and I watched God change and revolutionize youth ministry, and I watched God call individuals to great things. And now a lot of those people that we built together Uh, that we were leaders, youth leaders in that time together are now all over the world and all over Australia, just doing incredible things and in walking out their God call. So Cameron and I went on to lead that youth ministry years later. So, you know, I was 16 at the time, but it wasn't until I was 27 that we ended up going back in and leading it. Um, But we went on to lead that and the young adults and then, of course, Youth Alive in South Australia. And then we moved to Queensland. And so we led Youth Alive Queensland as well as National. And, of course, we pioneered things like United We Stand, which has become – this is the first year it's not being done because we've broken it back down into the states. But the last six or so years, we've ran United We Stand, which is the largest Christian youth outreach that Australia has ever seen. 30,000 young people on one night, all in uh, 100 different locations around Australia, gathering together to lift up the name of Jesus. We've pioneered the Youth Alive Academy, which um, there's never been a sustainable uh, youth Bible college, I guess, ran through Youth Alive. They've started them in the past, but they never lasted. Um, um, And they weren't in every state. But the Youth Alive Academy, Cameron and I started that with five students about seven or eight years ago and didn't expect it to take off. We were just doing our own thing here in Queensland, but it's now taken off in um, every state, many locations, including online, which we call Air Academy. And so I guess it's all, and then we planted two churches from scratch. So I guess all of those things that, uh, all of the values that God's put on our heart are in this book. Um, And I guess things like we've watched how others might've tried to build a platform for themselves or made it about themselves or strived for, you know, title for the next big, big gig. But we always felt like that was missing the mark of how to truly uh, change a generation. So we just kept building humbly and the way that God has put on our hearts to build. And so this book is all about those values. And then at the end, the book comes full circle 20 years later when we planted yet another ministry, youth ministry at our church, public church. And I realized when I started writing the book, I realized, oh my gosh, we've come full circle because we planted that youth ministry also in a school auditorium 
this time with Isaiah as our youth pastor and with Joey playing the guitar. And I saw this beautiful connection between 20 years ago and now and how all the things in between have been a part of God's blueprint for us. And so we wrote Hearts on the High School Floor. It's my words, but I always say Cameron's in my life work. And we wrote it to say, hey, here's our blueprint. Now, what is God doing where you are? So I thought maybe I could read a little bit of it to you guys. Just read one of the um, one of the essentials. So we've divided the book into four parts. The first part is about transforming you as a person who wants to impact a generation. The second part is about how do you transform leaders? So maybe if you're working on a team, how do you see transformation and build those leaders? The third part is um, transforming youth ministries. But again, those essentials you could still apply to, um, to any setting where you're working with young people. And then part four is about transforming the youth which I could have gone and done so many more chapters on that, but I just kind of stuck with a few. Um, And so I'm going to read to you Essential 38, which um, I'm just trying to think which part. That comes under Transforming Youth Ministries. And the essential is called Cars Are More Than Wheels and Metal. So let me just read this one to you. Sarah was a down-to-earth, no-nonsense 19-year-old who drove a nondescript station wagon. We have always told our leaders to come to youth with a car full, and no one took this more seriously than Sarah. She and her car became a Solid Rock legend. Solid Rock was the name of our youth ministry. In the days before such strict legal duties and rules, Sarah used to cram kids into her car. When she arrived at youth, the car doors and the boot burst open and the kids would spill out. I think the record was something like 10 kids. She squeezed them into every bit of space she could, four in the back seat, a few in the wagon boot, two in the front passenger seat. Eventually, we had to put a stop to it for safety reasons. But oh, how we loved Sarah's enthusiasm. We need more Sarahs. Our young people are desperate for them. Sarah understood the heart behind filling up your car. She understood that another kid in her car meant another kid's in God's presence at youth. She knew it meant another kid who felt they belonged. It meant another conversation, another young life changed. Our young people need our car. They need our petrol and the Macca's wrappers at their feet. They need our imperfect, squeaky, barely clean car. Your car is so much more than four wheels and a hunk of metal. Your car is one of the most important things in a young person's life. My life was forever changed because my youth leader used to pick me up every week. She took me out of my dysfunctional, crazy home and made me feel loved and safe like I had hope. Her car brought me to youth, the place I found family and home and my future. It hurtled me down the highway toward my destiny, and I am so grateful to this day. And later, I got to do it myself for my young people. Some nights, I would do two trips to Connect Group and home again because I loved them so much and wanted them to experience God like I had. I would do anything for them. 
It makes us sad when we see youth leaders driving into youth with empty cars. If every youth leader across the nation had a full car every Friday night, that would be quite a revival. And so that's my hour essential number 38. And as you can see, we could have said 101, everyone should come to car to youth with a car full and gone on about that. But I wanted to use words, I guess, that hopefully would move your heart and to paint a picture uh, of how important our cars are and how for me, a car wasn't just four doors and a bit of metal, but it was something that hurtled me down the freeway towards my destiny, I guess is how I could best explain it. So that's just one example. Uh, I've been really inspired by writers like Shauna Nequist. I don't know if you know her. She's actually um, Bill Hybel's daughter. Um, And I, I didn't know that until years later, but she's got the most beautiful writing style. She's one of my favorite writers. Um, she wrote a book that really changed, uh, or really spoke into my life a few years ago called present over perfect guys. I would encourage you to read that book. Uh, but she, for me, her writing is so fresh and real and vulnerable. So I believe that he or she who holds the pen can make indelible marks on people's hearts. So I've had many people tell me that they've been in tears reading Hearts on the High School Floor. Um, Quite a few people actually that are like, okay, all right, I'm just at the start, but I'm in tears or I've gotten to the end and I'm in tears. For me, that's the biggest compliment, not because I want to make people cry because it means that the words have moved their heart. And I know that if I can move your heart, that I can inspire you also to action. And I love this generation so much. I love this young generation. That is why Cameron and I have given our hearts, our life's work to them. And so if I can inspire you to action, to do something for a young person, then to me, that's mission accomplished. So even the dedication of the book, which quite a few people have posted because they really loved it. Our dedication was simply this to young people, our hearts, will bu- our hearts will beat wild and hard for you until the day they beat no more. You are our life's work. And kiss, kiss, Cam and Renee. So, yeah, I guess I feel deeply in my heart and I just wanted that to come out in the pages. So I know that so many books have changed me. So for me, it's a privilege to hopefully be able to do that for someone else. So each principle or essential is pretty short. Um, like I said, there's 52 of them crammed into, uh, just over 200 or just on 200 pages. Um, because I wanted them to, we did that on purpose to keep them bite size, easy to digest and easy to remember. And I figured that if we could break a book down into bite sized pieces that before you know it, you've read a whole book and too many young people these days don't read a book from cover to cover. And so it was my aim to make it so inspiring, so heart moving, and so uh, broken down into bite-sized pieces that you'd get to the end and go, oh my gosh, I've read a whole book. And so that was the reason behind that. So, and finally, because we've hit half an hour, I wanted to let people know in a world that gives accolades to the big and to the famous, 
that uh, this, you know, and to those who have, who have built a name for themselves, I wanted people to know that that's not the most important thing and that you are seen and that what you might feel is the small part that you play in your part of the world really, really matters. You really matter. What you do to help a young generation really, really matters. And so I wanted people to feel that by the end, that it's not about the most charismatic. It's not about the people that build the name for themselves. Um, You know, too many accolades have ruined people over the years. It's about you. It's dedicated to you who are just doing the quiet, hard yards to build a foundation into the next generation that you are where it's at. You are what it's about. And so kudos to you. We just wanted you to feel loved and seen. So if you want to follow any of my writing, um, obviously Girl Next Door podcast social media is dedicated to that, but um, I don't post, I probably only post once a week on my writing Instagram, which is called My Elastic Heart, but you've got to get all the underscores right, okay? Otherwise you end up on a really weird page that is clearly not mine. So it's my underscore elastic underscore heart underscore. Even that, where did that come from? My Elastic Heart. I remember a Sia song from years ago where she talked about thick skin and an elastic heart and talk about words moving me. I remember those lyrics to that song really moved my heart because I felt like that. I felt like over the years I've had to have thick skin. You know how they say thick skin and soft heart? Just the fact that she changed that to thick skin and an elastic heart. And just when, if you say to me, like when I read those words, elastic heart, I immediately resonated with that. I immediately thought, I've got an elastic heart. And why did I think that? I think because I've realized over the years that there have been things that were meant to break me, but they never broke me. And there's been things that maybe stretched my heart and maybe pulled them out of shape, pulled my heart out of shape, but it never broke me. And I feel like there are plenty of us out there that we've got thick skin and elastic hearts. And though our hearts are stretched and pulled, that they do not break. And that is a beautiful thing to have a human heart that's elastic, that you have the strength and the courage to not let things break you, even though they might pull you. And that's where my elastic heart came from. I want to do more writing. I've got so many more things and projects in my heart. So you can follow my writing on my elastic heart. Remember the underscores in between. And um, if you want a copy of of, um, Hearts on the High School Floor, that's where you can grab a copy. There's a Shopify link. So feel free to go along. Um, it's also a way that you can support the podcast as well. Um, I don't do sponsors and all that kind of thing, and maybe I will in the future, but I put the podcast out for free because I just love doing that. And, um, I don't want to make a million bucks in my life. I just want to be able to support, help support obviously my family. And so I guess one way that you could support this podcast is to buy a copy of hearts on the high school floor. Also my designer who does all of my stuff for Girl Next Door, which is Isaiah, who you all know, boy down the road, Um, Isaiah's wife, Renee. She's my partner in all things creative. She is insanely talented. She designed the cover and it's beautiful. And I know a lot of people have been really taken just with the cover and also the fact that it doesn't look like a leadership book because it's called Hearts on the High School Floor, which I know grabs a lot of people's creative hearts. So guys, there you go. 
I feel like I just rambled at you. I feel selfish talking about that for half an hour, but at the same time, I know that there are people who are really interested in the whole writing process and, um, and who are very interested in how books come to be. And plus, I guess maybe it helps um, you to feel like you know me a little bit more because this is a very important part of um, who I feel God's called me and made me to be. And also, I don't know if this sounds morbid, but I feel like when, when it comes my time to go and be with the Lord, um, when you've got words written down, even a podcast, I guess, um, but when you've got words written down, words will be around forever. And so long after I go, I hope that my words can um, impact a generation. So there you have it. Thank you for sticking with me and listening. Uh, make sure that you come along on Friday uh, to parenting our parenting episode. But meanwhile, don't forget you can come find me, follow me, my underscore elastic underscore heart underscore. Anyway, I might see you there. Have a wonderful week. Until then, I'll see you later. Bye.